And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual 411 Presents. Um, this is Arlene Cahead, and you know, there was supposed to be a song that was supposed to be starting out um, the show, but apparently it did not kick in. But I'm going to go ahead and manually put it in, and we will be right back. Yay!
My man gives real love and that's why I call him killer. He's not a land bam, thank you ma'am, he's a thriller. He takes his time and does everything right. Knock me out with one shot for the rest of the night. He's a real smooth brother, never in a rush. Jamie gives me goose pimples with every single such. Spends quality time with his kids when he can. Secure in his manhood cause he's a real man. A lover and a fighter and a knock a knock Mama taught him that. I got a good Okay, and welcome to Spiritual 411 Presents. And tonight, or excuse me, today, because it's the daytime for us, ladies and gentlemen, but, but wherever you are listening from in uh, on the planet, uh, we welcome you. And today we're going to be talking about the forgotten sacred masculine. So, ladies and gentlemen, I do have a special treat. My guest is going to be coming on. His name is Reverend Jamel Gilliam. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to get prayed in, and I will bring him uh, on so that he could talk about the sacred, forgotten, sacred masculine. Oh, dovish Ela 
I am so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I spent my time talking to myself. <laughs> King, are you on the line? Hello? Hey, I found the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, this Okay, this this show is actually um, sort of like, I guess you could say my personal love letter to masculine energy. Um, I feel that it is something that is definitely needed. And especially in today's society, I think that it is misunderstood. But uh, my friend here, Reverend Jamel Gilliam, um, his ministry and his brand is is about the sacred masculine and so we are going to bring him on the line so that he can talk about that reverend jamel are you on the line yes i am here can you hear me (laughs) yeah i can hear you i can hear you okay so you know let let us go ahead and get right into it and and i'm going to start out by asking you what is the sacred masculine well, you know, that's a great question. First, I want to speak, you know, say hello to Baba. I, you know, I know you're in another, in another location, but just want to, you know, greet you, brother. And uh, it's a pleasure being on this call with you. What's up, brother? Thank you so much. Blessings to you. Same here. So the, the Sacred Masculine is uh, it's a movement for men, and it's also a movement for women who love and support them. And it's really a call for them to return to their divine nature, uh, oftentimes we've forgotten, and that's hence the term forgotten divinity. We've forgotten that our original presence is to be upright and loving uh, men, you know, for our families, for our communities, and for ourselves. And so this is more so of a movement. Uh, and for me, it's really important that, you know, just looking around, you know, having family members who fall astray, uh, having a son myself and having great friends who in the city of Baltimore have been kind of taken down, it's really important that someone – you know, myself included, and, and, and many of others. I'm not one person in this. There's so many other people who participated in this. They just have different names for it. But it's, it's really important that we engage in this movement to, to go upward as it relates to uh, black men in particular, but even just men. Um, I would love to see more of us uh, stand up and not give in to what history has decided to vilify and demonize, and oftentimes we believe in it. You know, I, I have a brother, and, you know, he'll – He'll be quick to say, you know, he's a real, you know, fill in the blank because he wants you to know how tough, how tough he is. But he also doesn't talk about his vulnerability as as a man and his struggles. And so we we oftentimes walk around with this tough exterior, thinking it's going to help us, but it really has harmed us. Too many of us are branding ourselves. I'll use your term as these tough and rough and tumbled people, and we haven't that rough and tumbleness have not helped our community or even ourselves. You know, it's landed us in jail. It's landed us having issues with our children, with our women. Uh, just, it just hasn't been a, a positive motion for us. And so 
sacred, sacred masculine in a nutshell is a call to return to our sacred selves. Okay. So, so would you, you know, what in particular, is there anything that was in particular that happened that had you take on this ministry and the brand of the sacred masculine, um, in order to, to get you, get you to where you are now, or has it been something that you just think that it has been sort of an ongoing thing that has been building? I, I'll answer your question. Uh, basically it's all of those things and I'll, I'll, I'll speak out, outwardly. So outwardly, if you look, you know, if you're watching the news or if you just pay attention and society's a lot going on and whether we believe it or not, things happen, things are happening to people. And so it's important that, you know, being a father, it's important that I be the example uh, that he he knows, and also my daughter, that she knows uh, what a man is like uh, when she decides to get married and when as he gets older uh, for my son. And they're 11 and 15, so, it's, you know, they don't have far. They're, they're growing. Uh, one of the things I decided a long time ago, you know, I asked myself, what did I want my children to remember me by? And I could have said, oh, well, I want them to remember, remember we had a nice house, but that's material. I wanted, you know, or I could have said, I wanted them to remember that I had a nice car, but that's material. Or how much money I've given them, also material. Or how many nice clothes I've given them, also material. But I wanted them to have something that they can move and walk this life after I'm long gone uh, and also pass on to their children or even their close friends. And so keeping the sacred, and I'm saying sacred or divine, you know, some may say Jesus, some whatever, your, your, whatever term you decide to use it as, it's important that, uh, that is a tool that's utilized. And so for me, it's a personal ministry, but it's also a ministry at being uh, uh, a member of society and a member of community. I can have, I have countless of stories about myself, things. I'm a, I, I, I joke about it, but it's true. You know, in my 20s, in my youth, a womanizer, I am now a womanizer in recovery. And so it, what, what's funny about that is that I know that I, you know, I take responsibility for maybe the sisters that I've harmed in my immature ways and, uh, not even knowing who I was at that moment. And so it's important that I, you know, stop that. And so yep. discovering the sacred masculine was a pro- is a process. I'm not here to tes- testify that it's a, a one-and-done kind of thing. This is something that is still going as we speak. Um, and so it's, it's really important for me to move in that, in that sacredness and that divineness as a man uh, and as a husband. I also mentioned that I was a father, but I'm also a husband. Okay. Okay. So uh, a question that I have, and it's sort of related to uh, you being um, a person who's in recovery from being a womanizer in recovery. Do you think that the culture that you were brought up in um, when you were younger kind of promoted that type of energy or that type of thought process? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I I remember, uh, being a young man and, you know, you, you're in high school and there's, you know, dances, community dances and parties and you like, you know, you may like, like a young woman and she may like you back. And I remember my mom saying to me, uh, and I can, if I can quote her loosely, she said, uh, well, you're not married to anybody. And, and, you know, it was, that was true. In theory, that was true. But I think what it, what it was, was a green light to be a player. At least that's, that was my, uh, how I made it happen. I, I said, oh, well, you know, she's giving me permission to do multiple things. And, and it wasn't, there wasn't a conversation about sex in that regard, but it was a conversation about don't tie yourself down 
to one woman or practice monogamy in that sense. It was really just kind of, you know, have fun, sow your oats, enjoy yourself. It was that kind of term. And, you know, some of us take things too far, and I'll, I'll be the first to say that, especially going to college and being, being a, a participant in the fraternity life. And so that, that, that's one of those things that you just make a decision personally. You know, what is it that you, like I said, what do you want to be remembered by? You know, what is your legacy? What direction is this going? Because it could go a lot of ways. I mean, you could have a lot of children, uh, some other things that could happen, um, or you could make a decision that, hey, I'm going to be wise as a result of turning the other direction. And so, I, 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 you know, of course I have countless stories. None of them, some of them are painful. Some of them are just like, wow, what was I thinking? And so I, I, I made a decision long ago to just move forward in this thing and share with my son and share with my daughter because she's also going to be courting soon. That, hey, this is not the direction that you want to go. Okay, okay. So I, I I know that you mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, that the that masculinity and, um, and the spirituality of men um, you feel may be under attack. Uh, why why do you think that that is the case? Um, if, you know, if if that is your view and your perspective on it. Okay, so, I, you know, there's a lot of attacks. I think there's, you know, so many men who have been in leadership have uh, taken advantage. Uh, and this has been a longitudinal thing. It's been, it's been happening over the course of hundreds of years. It's been subtle. So if you look around, you know, most people say that these men aren't being attacked. Nobody's attacking these men. Uh, they're leaders in spiritual communities. However, I would beg to differ. Um, even though these men are in leadership, uh, the pews themselves are filled with women. And so I would ask the question of the women, you know, where are your husbands? Where are your boyfriends? Where are your sons? Where are your brothers? And the, the, there are some men there, but I think in the sense that we need men who are proactive, not reactive, not, not men who have been traumatized or who have come to, to the church as a result of being harmed or harming to really take on this approach uh, that it's important to have a culture of masculine spirituality. We're in a time where female spirituality is greatly celebrated, especially in new age, new thought communities. And so I would, I would say, great. I enjoy that. I celebrate it right along with the sisters, but I would also like to see that happen for the men, because when there's no balance, you have things go off kilter and, and, and something's bound to happen. And, and prior to the women having their uh, Renaissance, the men in the spiritual communities who were in leadership, well, it was just kind of like this model, and it was accepted. And so things were unbalanced. So I understand the need for sisters to have their renaissance, but it's also important for men to have an authentic uh, return to who they are, and so there can be balance. Otherwise, you're going to have – there's always some problems. I, I used to say that oftentimes the oppressed, the oppressors become – I'm sorry, the oppressed become the oppressors. And so it's like, hey, I got to get some get back. And, and, and we don't need that. We need to have a, 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 a solid, balanced relationship between men and women, or there will, be, there will continue to be problems. So, you know, no communication. Hey, I'm a goddess. You're not. I'm a god. You're not. Uh, and and, and that's, that's not, that's not going to work. Oftentimes we lose sight of what's important, and the community suffers as a result because it's, I, I would even argue right now that there's this uh, – unspoken battle between the genders, you know, whether it be men, men versus women, women, you know, and their sexuality, 
men and their sexuality. It just, it just goes on. So the attack is there. It's not something that's broadcasted, but oftentimes, you know, things like that won't be. But if we pay attention, you'll see that it is happening. Um, I'm here to, you know, to change that. I don't know if I talked about the in, in detail about the brand of Sacred Mask. I feel like I, I, I left that a little bit uh, blank. I don't know if I really got into detail about that. The origin. Well, you go, go. Well, then go ahead. Go ahead and and okay. talk about that. Yeah, and so I, I, I'm sorry that I brought that back only because folks will say, well, okay, well, what's the big deal? You know, you're talking about men going to church, men going to mosque, men going to temple. But but what I've seen through the years is based on my own understanding as a child and growing up and seeing that. Well, there's not too many men going to church. There's a lot of women, and so historically, like the term sacred masculine comes from Richard Rohr. Uh, he coined the term. He was a Catholic priest. priest. And then Matt, uh, Matthew Fox, if you're familiar with the writings about the cosmic Christ, he also uh, continued it. But that was the representation for the European community. And so what I realized is that it was important for those who identified themselves as Af- African ancestry, African Americans, black, whatever term you use, we, we also have some folks who engage in that. People like Howard Thurman, uh, people like Dr. King, people like James Cone and Jeremiah Wright. And the latter two uh, what we call uh, liberation the- theologians. You know, they were about we're going to take this this word and we're going to make it, you know, use it to file freedom. In a nutshell, but I, I think it's important that we also know. And I've named, you know, I just named a whole bunch of Christian theologians. But this isn't even about uh, Christianity. This is this is an ecumenical movement. Uh, whether brothers and I, it was a beautiful prayer. It sounded like it was a Muslim prayer. I heard a few uh, terms. Era. Yeah, it was an Arab, it was Aramaic prayer. Okay. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. beautiful. And then so you know, yeah. it's an ecumenical, it's an interfaith movement. We're talking about men at the you know wherever they are on the spectrum of their religion, whether they're Christian, Muslim, even agnostic brothers. We are really, if we have the conversation, we want the same thing. Whether we use uh, Christ as the route, whether we use the Hadith as the route, whether we are African spiritualists, we all want the same thing for ourselves and our families. We just use different terms. To qualify, and it's important that you know people know that I'm not here to convert anyone to any particular religion. I'm just here to reinforce the importance of the sacred nature nature of man to be realized. And when this happened, he no longer feels the need, as I said, you know, the need to womanize or abuse himself or even his community and children. He will be the example for the future. Okay. Now, um, King, do you have any questions? Okay. Uh, well, we no questions. No questions. Uh, do but I do appreciate it. Okay. Any comments? I am glad that he brought up the concept of the male spirituality in contrast to what society currently sees as far as female spirituality and the attack because it's not clearly defined in the minds of many people because of the systemic mechanism that is put in place to bring forth separation. So when Jamel brings, when Reverend Jamel brings the concept of the sacred masculine, I'm hearing in that 
that the call to the male population is to reclaim the positive conscious awareness of the priesthood, which is about integrity and a moral code of ethics that has been cast aside because of the society in which we're living in, which is a cultural experience for us now, which has caused men to fall away from the church. Okay. So... Okay. Okay. So uh, the the question that I actually, and you both can answer this, uh, Reverend Jamel, you can go first, and then King, you can go after it. So uh, what role do you feel that uh, that spirituality plays uh, into the well-being of just men in general uh, when they decide to make, you know, whatever they decide to call it, whether they call it uh, God, Jehovah, Buddha, whatever, um, when they have a sort of a spiritual foundation, what role does that play in the well-being of men? I mean, there's a scripture talking about being in the world and not of the world. And oftentimes we focus so much on being in the world, you know, the material things, the possessions, the music, the luxuriousness. And it's important that we realize the importance of uh, spirituality. You know, there's no data that really says that this is the, there's a correlation that if a man goes to church that he's going to be emotionally uh, well or spiritually well, but it it would be great if someone does it. I'm actually, it's interesting that you said that because I'm interested in that type of research. But what I will say is that you can see it when you just look at people on, on an anecdotal level. If you look at people, and you know people who go to church and they're consistent and they're authentic and they really, like, take it to heart and some of the lessons that they're learning, these men do better. Now, maybe someone will say, well, you can't prove that. And, and I can't prove it in a scientific level, but for the people that I know, uh, how it has impacted their lives, uh, I've witnessed from my own eyes that this is true. So when you say what role does spirituality play, I say it plays a greater role to helping folks to organize themselves, to maybe putting thoughts to words, maybe uh, understanding some of the things that may have happened or having some focus in organization on where they want to go. It's, it's an opportunity for them to really look at themselves uh, entirely, not just, oh, well, I just want to, you know, full clothing and shelter. There's so many things that we need outside of those things. You know, your spiritual self, if you don't have spirit, then you suffer. So I think it's important that, you know, the, the spirituality, we know that spirituality does play into the uh, well-being of men, and it's important for more men, more you know, more men to consider that. I'm also a chaplain, so just having the conversations with folks as relates to spirituality and, you know, where they are in their lives, oftentimes they'll share that. They'll say, hey, you know, if I didn't have, you know, whatever they call their God, if I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be right now. If they were in the midst of, you know, a disease or dying or just suffering or some trauma, they would say that. So, you know, like I said, there's no research that says that, but it's important that men know that. King? The, the role spirituality plays in the well-being of men is paramount. Yet, we live in a society that has our conscious focus 
on our carnality, our physicality. Unfortunately, many people believe, first and foremost, that we are human beings. And in that human experience, they focus on all the things that are human. When I know that years ago, Steve Colby, Colby brought up a, a different twist to that, where it said we are actually spiritual beings. And in identifying that we are spiritual beings, then we come to identify that we are having a human experience. That's right. Which allows us, thank you for just a minute, which allows us to better recognize that it is our spirit that brings the wellness to our being. When we are disconnected from our spirit, we end up not having the wellness that is required for us to be prosperous, and not only prosperous, but healthy in our mind, where, where everything really starts in our thoughts. Okay. So, uh, Reverend Jamel, you know, I, I know that that you say that on an anecdotal level that you've actually witnessed the changes uh, in men when when they have that spiritual foundation. Can you uh, illuminate us on some of the examples of where where that happened or where you've seen that happen and that take place um, and how it went about changing their lives? Sure. Um, I think oftentimes the uh, that's happened for me in doing some of the uh, clinical work that I've done, working with people, doing counseling in, in, in the city of Baltimore as a therapist, as a counselor. And so the questions that I would ask and the suggestions that I would I would make and even some of the readings I would assign would all be centered around some type of spiritual growth. And I, I've witnessed transformation. Uh, one one man in particular, and I'll give you know, I don't want to give too much for the sake of confidentiality was struggling. He had some addiction challenges. There was uh, some, you know, child support. And he really was struggling with who he was as relates to society. There was a little depression. Some, some you know, and that's, th- these are diagnoses that other folks have given him. This is not something I, you know, gave him. But he, he was struggling. I'll just say that. And so some of the things I would do is I would have exercises where I would give him readings, he learned how to meditate because that's not something he was able to do. He was always used to just doing and being for other people. And so even in that sense, it was an opportunity for him to just take the time for himself to be focused, to, to listen. I mean, you can, you, you know, they, they suggested meditation at the very minimal is 20 minutes a day, but some people, you know, do it two or three times a day. And so it was really just an opportunity for him to just be still and listen. Um, and, the, and the transformation happened because, like I said, his his anxiety or his worry about what may happen, it 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 went down. I mean, I'm not gonna say it was it went down completely, but it definitely reduced because he was he was really worried about what could happen to him, you know, as a result of the things you know that I shared before. So, and he's just one example. He's he's just one example. But oftentimes I would teach people to meditate. That's that's probably a non-traditional way of, of doing treatment, but it was really an opportunity of just sharing with people. I'm not here to pathologize them and make them, oh, well, you're this, you're that, because oftentimes people take in that, oh, this is who I am. We we know about the affirmation when you say I am, you know, I, mm-hmm. and, and I was really trying mm-hmm. to help people learn something else that, hey, you know, let's just be 
something else other than we what we you know a long time ago decided we were going to be. And so, no, you don't have to be depressed, but you can be at peace. You don't have to be depressed or anxious, but you can be loving. And and that was important for for this gentleman in particular, because like I said, he was angry. You know, oftentimes you'll hear people say, "Oh, black men are so angry." No. You know, they haven't channeled into what is happening. So he was really reacting and responding to everything that was around him. And just a simple being, you know, act of being stillness, I believe, and what I saw, um, was helpful to him. And every so often I run into him, you know, because Baltimore is a pretty small city. But it's it's really important that uh, spirituality be a part of that. And talking about helping people and changing them and impacting them. So I've, I've you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that I've also used this for women and men. So it's not just men, and it's in that particular environment that I work. It, it's effective. It's transformational. Okay. Um, we're going to take a brief musical, a musical break, and we will be right back.
we're back. And um, I've just been informed that uh, um, that uh, King ha- is like on the move, so he's not going to be able to stay with us for the whole show. But he did want to send his salutations before he, uh, you know, departed. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure being on the call with him. Yes, sir. It's my pleasure being on the call with you, uh, Reverend Jamel. I I wish you continued success, and, you know, I'm looking forward to continually working with you because you are doing a great work, and I love you, brother, for that. You know, we need more brothers like you to go ahead and hold hold the torch. Yes, sir. Thank you. Namaste. 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 Okay, so... Okay, so there's this particular uh, analogy that I can um, recall. Well, it's not even an analogy. This is something that actually happens out in the wild. So um, if you're at all familiar with elephants, um, one of the things that I I know and have been privy to and I, I, I had found out about was that when – there are no what you would call older male bulls in the herd of the um in the herd of the elephants the the teenagers the youngsters get out of line and they they run amok um they bully the women and things of that nature uh in the in that particular herd however um, and I, I wanted to sort of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up is because I know that for a lot of women, uh, there is this idea that that men are not needed. And I'm just here to tell you that that just isn't the case. And I quite honestly think that what has happened is because women have actually put that energy out there in in that particular space that um that you have a lot of young bulls running amok uh out in society and that there is this sort of need for um men who are operating uh out of their spiritual essence that that actually honor themselves as well as the women who are around them but but that the men are needed or the to hold that space now one of the and and like i said and i think that that actually a lot of times what you will see is that oftentimes nature sort of mimics what takes place what needs to take place in humanity and i think that 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 is something that is needed within um within our uh within our society um one of the things that I had been privy to was that a lot of times when you have a community of the masculine energy that that sort of held down the sort of foundation of uh, of just the the whole and the society as a whole uh, in the communities that I've been in, I've always felt you know. Um, protected, um, um, safe, and there was this sort of allowing me to to grow for me to grow up whole, and and even without having 
my father actually be present in my experience. I was actually brought up by men who surrounded me. So there was this sort of communal feel. And I wanted to bring that uh, that thought and that energy into that space. And this is why this is sort of my love letter to the masculine, because I think that oftentimes when I'm looking out in the world, it just there just seems to be some disjointedness and I'm I'm not down with that rah rah parade that I am woman hear me roar and I can do it all by myself. I, I don't want to do it by myself because it didn't happen when um when I was coming up. But do you have any comments about that, Reverend Jamel? Yes, it's it's funny when you say the uh <laughs> the rah the rah my my wife and I we have a term that we use and we call it waving the single mom flag. And and the unfortunate thing is it becomes almost a an act of celebration, like, hey, you don't need a man, you're doing this, you're doing it, go girl, you know, you're you're doing it, I have to do it, we're gonna do it, you know, and and I think while that is happening on the other side with the men, it's almost as if they've been given a green light not to be responsible. And so the the it's almost a dichotomy of, hey, this is happening on this side, and while you guys are doing that, guess what? I don't have to do on this on, on my end. So what, what women, and I'm not saying women in general, but with women who use that term or come with that type of energy, what they, what they don't realize is that they are uh, subconsciously saying, for the sake of not looking vulnerable, for the sake of not being weak, I don't need a man. And I get it you've been hurt or you've been let down or you've been disappointed. And I would say that that's, and that's a shame. And so for men like myself you know, or, or Baba, you know, King or other brothers, it's countless of other men. I say, I'm not going to sit here and just, there's a long list of men who are doing, uh, they would circle those men and say, Hey, I need you to get your stuff together. You know, and this is how you do it. Some men don't do because they don't know what it looks like to do. So that's the other side. But on the side that with the women, what, what they forget, and this is, this is the deep part, oftentimes they have sons. And if they don't have a son, they have a daughter. So they pass the legacy down to their daughters or they pass the legacy down to the men of, hey, you know, either they have anger towards men or they uh, overly control the men where they almost make them feel like, well, shoot, mom got this. I don't have to worry about it. And I'm going to get, get a woman just like mom, so I have to worry about it. So it, it, it continues the cycle. So in these circles, it's important that we, like I said, balance is important. It's not, it's not cool to have men just uh, uh, mistreating women. No more than it is women treat, mistreating men. And so we have to find time to communicate with one another, speak, talk about what we're afraid of. Oftentimes people, you know, in the midst of that rah-rah that you spoke of, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of hurt and pain. Like, Hey, he, he did this to me. You know, I, I would, I would take a poll of the women who take, who take that approach. How often has it been that they themselves haven't had a father? Uh, and is it just that this man is just continuing what daddy already did a long time ago? You know, I'm just taking a stab at that. I'm not, I could be wrong. But I think oftentimes those things are connected when dad hasn't been there, isn't there and hasn't been there. And then you meet a man who's just like that. Here we are once again, in the same place, vulnerable and alone. And we got we to gotta fight that. So, brothers, we got to step up. For the brothers that are listening and sisters, if you, if you have a male child or, or close men that listen to you, and, and, encourage them. Encourage them to be there. Or, 
even even if they don't know how, find someone that you know that can support them. I'm actually mentoring young men. I have uh, a couple of 20-year-olds that I talk to on occasion to kind of make sure they're good, giving them sound advice, and even just supporting them. And I'm not here to tell them what to do as much as I'm just, hey, you know, they don't have fathers. And so just saying, hey, you know, maybe you want to consider this or what do you what do you think about that? And so, but it is really important. I hope I answered your question in Mr. Morant, but I really wanted to kind of speak about that a little bit because the, the dynamics have become a cycle, uh, if you will. Uh, yeah, uh, most definitely. Uh, because I, I will, and and this is me just doing my sharing. So when I was coming up, I, I actually grew up around a bunch of strong women who, you know, they weren't necessarily into waving that rah-rah, you know, I'm the single mom flag. But, however, in their actions, <laughs> in their actions, it they they actually encompassed that particular energy. And I, I recall being young and and actually looking at that and just saying, you know, these women are by themselves. And um, I don't want to live that. I did not want to live that life. I recall making that decision um, very, very early on um, that that I didn't want to repeat that particular pattern. Um and I, I will say, <laughs> I will say, um, I, I definitely got what I would consider my bumps and bruises um, along the way. But I think because of the power of my intent to not repeat that cycle, that I don't think that I actually have. Um, and here's a, here's one of the things that that uh, women should be um, sort of cognizant of. Um, in order to change that pattern of being around men who are not operating in the space that Reverend Jamel is talking about, um, it probably is best for you to be able to surround yourself around men who who uphold masculinity um, and accountability in order to have a deeper impact on the men that may be surrounding you. And I only say this because that, that idea and that concept of the, the adults, the adult bulls, the, the elephant bulls that are in the, that are in the community, they kind of set the youngsters straight. And, and there's a possibility because the men themselves um, may be may have experienced damage from women who are into emasculating because telling men that that they're not needed that's an emasculating thing. I mean, I, and quite honestly, I think it. You know, Absolutely. I realize that it. Yeah, I think that it, as I say this, I realize that this is going to sound harsh, but there's a level of arrogance to it because you're telling you're telling another being that was created by the creator that that they weren't supposed to be here, that they weren't needed and and <laughs> if that was the case, they would not be on the planet. I'm just right. I'm right. just putting that here. Yeah. yeah. No, actually yeah. that was wonderful uh, and, and maybe 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 not for them, maybe not that man for that woman, but he's here for someone. And you know, I, I laugh at the idea that sometimes that attitude almost goes back and forth between victim 
and arrogance. So at, at one moment, this is what y'all have done to me. And on the other side, I don't need you. So it's, it, it, maybe not that man for you at that time, but I think that there's someone for everyone. And maybe and someone even argue there's some people for everyone, depending on if you're into, uh, you know, the poly stuff. And that's another conversation, I believe. <laughs> but it really is important. That, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, we're talking about the, the equal number of men and women, and that doesn't necessarily, that's not an equal uh, thing. But I'm really talking about how we have to be mindful of the things that we say. Like I said, a lot of these women who have that, that attitude have male children. And so I'm concerned at what, Excuse me. These young men are being exposed to what they have to grow up with, and all, and oftentimes that continues the cycle. It, it continues the cycle. I mean, just like okay, well here we, you know, you emasculated your son, and you don't need a man. And what is he seeing, and what is he hearing, and being exposed to? And he's going to go out here and 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 essentially try to date a young woman and harm her because he's picked up these values, you know, by what he's been exposed to. Well, basically, basically, what his mom has kind of shared with him that is how things are, or how things are supposed are supposed to be. And I'm always concerned about that because it, it, the cycle has to stop. I mean, like I said, there has to be some balance. I'm not about uh, bashing women or saying that uh, they can't be empowered. Women have have countless times proven their strength, and you see it throughout history. But I think what happens is that because the brothers haven't done what they're supposed to do. And you hear them being more vocal about it, but almost in a hurtful way. And, you know, that has to stop. Otherwise, the community is not going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to be what we have right now. Like I said, you know, saying you don't need a man pretty much gives him permission to do what he want to do. You say you don't need him. You got a, you got a child by him or not. And you say you don't need him. So he goes and, you know, sees the next woman. That's really what happens. Like, oh, you don't need me? Okay, well, I'll go do something else. Okay, so I, well, you know, um, what do you think that what do you think can be a process that a woman who has been in that position where they have been hurt um where can they begin that healing process for themselves uh in order to um draw in a different dynamic than what they had been privy to yeah i would say take take responsibility in the things that they need to take responsibility for um it's one of those things where they have to really take a long look at themselves. Uh, there's a lot of work on both sides. I, I would never, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the sacred masculine, so I'm saying that there's work for the men. I mean, we need to definitely look at that. You know, we men can't even uh, be vulnerable without someone saying that they're weak because they cry. But in, as it relates to what the sisters are doing, I think definitely, you know, do the introspection, look at themselves, and see what it is. Because ultimately, ultimately, they're attracting what, what it is that they want so Or what it is that they think about So if they say I hope I don't get a bad man I hope I don't get a bad man Guess what you're going to get You're going to get that guy that you Worked so hard to say that you're not going to get You have attracted him to him Because so you, you've thought more about that than you have What you wanted And and you know doing that self work Will have you looking at men entirely different I mean, you'll have you'll have, okay. you'll have yourself finding those men I'm sorry okay. What are you saying I'm sorry well, actually, the I guess the question is, is like when it, when you say to do the internal work, what, um, in addition to meditation, because I know that you uh, said that that is something that 
um, that you have, you know, I guess you could say, if you could call it a spiritual prescription for the, for men to make uh, a difference in their life as well as the women. But in addition to meditation, what are, what are some of the other things that you feel that a person can use to uh, start that introspective process? Yeah. Yeah. And, and even for the, for the men and women, meditation isn't the only thing. There's some other things. Introspection really has you looking at yourself over a timeline. Who, who are you? What do you want? What do you find yourself thinking about? Where do you see yourself at different places in your life? Because I think oftentimes we value, for instance, we may value uh, looks. We find ourselves only getting the attractive mates. And, you know, attraction doesn't mean that the person's a, a quality or responsible spouse. It just means they're attractive. Or money, if, if you're only saying, oh, I want a man that's rich or is wealthy. That, doesn't also, that also doesn't say that you're getting a quality spot. So you have to look at different uh, levels of what you want. So, you know, okay, yeah, we all want someone who's going to help us with our bills, you know, and I'm, I'm saying for the sisters that want a man, that's what a lot of times you hear women saying, I want a man with money. You know, we all, and I'm going to say we all, you know, men, in, men included, we want a woman that's attractive. Women want a man that's attractive, but that's not what manhood or womanhood is. There's so much more than that. Who is he or she outside of that? Because uh, we age, <laughs> people can lose money, <laughs> gain and lose. There's so much more to a person. I remember uh, talking to a woman, and she she basically said she wants a man to screw her. Great, and I'm changing the term that she used. You know, have sex with her, well, and want and had money. And I said, so you want sex and money? Said so you don't want much. If that's all that you want, you're really not asking for a whole lot because those things can be, you know, you can uh, get from other places. You can, you know, you. It's, it's, you're, you're limiting the value of your relationship only on those two things. And I'm not saying that they're not important. I'm not going to sit here and denounce that. Sex is, 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 is wonderful and it's great in a, in a relationship. And money is too for the things that we need. But there's so much more to a relationship than just that. So she has a distorted view. She had a distorted view of what it, what it was that she wanted. And, it's in, and even for the men, we have to also, you know, it's not just about a woman. That's, you know, sex. You know, and I'm, and I'm going back to the men because this is about the sacred masculine. So I want to make sure we don't lose that sight. But it's also important on that side with the sisters. We have to really be honest. You have to be honest about what it is that you are attracting to your space. If the brother, it's only those two things. And you find out pretty soon after if he is or isn't. It's not a, that's not a mystery. I mean, if a man is only having sex with you, don't take you out. Uh, and, and, you know, sisters have countless of stories, and I'm countless number of stories, and I have you know, some of the clients I've worked with who, who shared it, that he, don't, he never take them out in public, he never do this, he never do that, or she's never met his family, never his friends, there's no conversation, it's just wham, bam, and he goes on to the next, whatever, wherever he is. So you know pretty soon what's going on with the relationship. But look deeper, like what else is there? What else is there to the relationship? And ask yourself, be clear, what is it that you want? Okay, so I, well, here's um here is a question that, and this is, I guess this would be sort of purely speculative on your part, but when you talk about the young lady who <laughs> who only wanted sex and a guy who had money and that she didn't uh, want for very much, uh, do you think that she had or sense or understanding of herself? Because it, uh, from, from what I'm hearing you share, uh, it does not seem like 
she had a clear understanding of who she was. And so if she didn't have a clear understanding of who she was and she only wanted these two things, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if she, yeah, if you don't have an understanding of yourself, then you really don't know what it is that you need. Um, but did, do you think she, do you think she had an understanding of who she was? And, you know, clearly, no, that's just my thought, but you go ahead. I would say no. Yeah, I would say no, but, you know, she was very vocal about that. And and she's not alone. I mean, let's be honest. We look at social media and we look at, you know, there's a lot of these uh, uh, housewives shows, I'm going to say reality shows, where that is what is displayed. You know, you got the red bottom shoes and the material items and the dudes that's, you know, big and whatever. I think it gets to be that conversation that that's what a man is and that's the expectation. But there's so much more. Those guys uh, that only offer those things, that come that's short-lived. And so, you know, sisters, you got to ask for more and, and, and want more uh, at the same time. Because if you're only saying that these are the two things that you want, that's what you're going to get. You know, some of these dudes will lead with their wallet, and that's all they're going to lead with. And not, not oftentimes they lead them with their wallet to a certain extent, and then they're on to the next one. It's not that they lead with their wallet and you become the wife. It's just that they lead with the wallet enough to bring you in and uh, get what they want, and then they're gone. And I've, I've uh, been in circles or have heard, I'll call it locker room talk, but not necessarily being in locker room, but you hear men talk about these things. You know, the barbershop, you know, just in public places where, you know, kind of brag or say, hey, this is what I'm doing, or, you know, minimizing the relationship to the degree. Like, you know, he may say, oh, well, this is no big thing, you know, and whereas she's telling her girls, this is this is the one, not knowing that pretty soon the heartbreak is coming. So, like you said, you talk about the woman's self-worth. That's really important because when she starts to expect more, and, and to some degree, maybe that's where that I don't need a man uh, is a defense mechanism. You know what? If I say I don't need a man, then then I don't need. Then I'll start to think that I don't need a man, and and that's what I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get a man because I don't need him. Okay. Okay. So. We are going to take another musical break, and we'll be right back. And um, and when we get back, uh, Reverend Jamel, you can share uh, information about your church that's opening up. Sure. Okay. Thank you.
Jamel, I know that in December you are opening up your church. Would you please uh, share with the audience a little bit about um, what your vision is for the church and how, I mean, if, if uh, yeah, share a little bit about your vision for, for your church that you have. Sure. Thank you. Um, so the name is Universal Centers for Love, and uh, for those that don't know, I've actually been uh, well, not trained but called to this uh, ministry. I uh, attended One Spirit Interfaith Seminary, which was a wonderful experience. I had an opportunity to meet uh, people from across the globe who were having their own experience with God. And I'll say God, but also, you know, spirit, whatever term, there's different terms that people use, uh, but it would still be apropos. And so what I realized is that we separate ourselves via the language, and we're saying the same thing. And so Universal Centers for Love is really a call to love. Um, at, at the root, at the heart of all of our calling, uh, our journey, our spiritual journeys, and our movement towards spirit, really there's, uh, you know, we, we, we are looking for love. I mean, I know we talked about relationships uh, previously with men and women, but I think even with ourselves and our interaction with ourselves, uh, you know, one another and with spirit. And so this particular community is a multi-denominational 
uh, metaphysical community. And so as an introduction, it's really about placing spirituality or religion uh, into a healthy demonstration as, you know, relationships with ourselves uh, and one another. And what I would like to see, this is something that is new, is that we can operate regardless of our differences. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'll see that there's more in common than what is different. You know, we want to argue and fight about theology and, hey, I'm believing this and you don't, and at the root of it is love. And so it's important that we, as a people, begin to uh, see that. I mean, and I'm going to say the enemy is busy. I could say the devil is busy. I could say that the ego is busy, but I will be saying the same thing because when you look at it, people have profited from our differences. And so uh, UCL, uh, affectionately known as UC Love, is where I hope that we could all come together as as beings and experience the oneness, men or women, Christian or Muslim. However you choose to de- uh, define yourself, you'll see the common theme in your brother or in your sister, and that's love. And then thank you for giving me an opportunity to share that. Uh, not a problem. And just so you know, family, um, his first service is going to be on December 3rd, 2017, and the service is going to start at 10 a, excuse 10 me, 10.30 a.m. Yeah, 10.30 a.m. at Indigenous Artisan and Wellness, and the address for that is 213 West Reed Street, that's R-E-A-D Street, in Baltimore, Maryland, and the zip code is 21201, and if you are in the Baltimore area, we are welcoming you, as well as, you know, if you, you know, because I know that we have some international listeners, so if you are happen to be in the Baltimore area, we welcome you, um, and services are, are going to be uh, every, every Sunday. Now, um, I think that is it. Is there, are, you know, actually there is one more question that I have for you is that, um, you know, if, if anybody wanted to reach out to you to, to talk about the, the sacred masculine, um, how can they go about reaching you? And, and if there's anything that you have to offer in terms of sharing with them what it is that they need to do to, to spread this, uh, this consciousness in this ministry uh, throughout, how can they get a hold of you? Well, I can give them, I'll share my email address and that's give thanks and thanks is abbreviated. So it's, G-I-V-E-T-H-X at live.com. That's G-I-V-E at L-I-V-E dot com. And, you know, like I said, I always share the uh, discussion of sacred masculine as is for men, you know, for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. And I, and I like to say that because sisters have been our biggest supporters. And oftentimes, even when we've been doing wrong. And so I would love that brothers appreciate you know they I, I like that they appreciate when sisters are helping them but how about uh allowing them to assist you when you are in in the process of your own spiritual transformation whatever that is and and i and i don't mean to say to take it lightly or minimize it i have friends who are bishops i have friends who are muslim you know i have friends in different denominations who practice and you know when having conversations based on our relationships that we have they all share the same thing they want love they want light they want to grow. They want to. They want whatever they've learned to be imparted upon those close to them. You know, for the ones that have children and and that are married, their families. They want. They want that. And so, 
this movement is no different. This is really the opportunity for us to step into our calling as men. I'm not asking that everyone decide tomorrow they're going to be in ministry uh, as some type of leader. But essentially, you already are leading. If you are uh, a part of a household and you are the man of the household, you are already leading. So why not lead with a purpose? Why not lead with a a sense of uh, uh, direction? Why not lead uh, in the effort to let your children and your community see that, hey, I know where I was, but look where I'm going. Look who I've become. Look who I'm becoming. And if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. Okay. Okay, so, family, I know that uh, the majority of my audience tends to be female, but uh, I would like for, especially if you have any men in your life, that you go ahead and um, suggest that they download this particular podcast and also um, for the rest of, I believe, this month um, on Mondays, I am going to be re-airing the Sacred Masculine show, um, the next one coming up, because we have something, uh, I have, I actually, there's another show that's going to be aired this coming Monday. However, on this coming Wednesday, um, the the Sacred Masculine show, which is hosted by our guest here, Reverend Jamel, uh, is going to be talking about love and relationships. And and you will get the opportunity to hear uh, his beloved Krista Gilliam, um, as well as Dana and Damon Molden on uh, oh, wow. that particular show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the people knew about I you love before the Molden. you came. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> and uh also just so you know family uh uh Reverend Jamel and his beloved are going to be coming on this coming Tuesday at seven o'clock. So be sure to stay tuned and listen in. That's 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And the number to call in for that show is area code 646-929-0630. Again, that, the number for the show is area code 646-929-0630. And, uh, Reverend Jamel, I thank you so much for, for joining me. But, again, ladies and gentlemen, please, 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 Share this show with the men in your life or men that you think that will be interested because we want to spread this energy of of healing and harmony throughout the world. So thank you so much, Reverend Jamel. Yes. Yeah, thank you for the invite. I, I enjoy myself. Yeah. Um, So, family, we love you. We bless you. We appreciate you. We thank God for you. And we know that wherever you are, God is.
come from uh well uh honey mommy went to the store oh well you see um well there's a mommy and a daddy right right and see when they call geico uh they could save a bunch of money on car insurance oh really and that makes them happy yes that makes them very happy that's good yeah well i'm glad we could have this talk sunshine <laughs> geico because saving 15 percent or more on car insurance is always a great answer